Universal Car Care provides high-quality automotive repair and maintenance services. With over 20 years' experience, solutions are their business. Whether you're driving a BMW, Ford, Nissan, Mini Cooper, or any other vehicle, Universal Car Care will honestly evaluate your car, then prioritize any necessary repairs with you to work within your budget. Contact them today at 909-629-7621 and mention EOTM Radio for discounts. Conveniently located in Pomona, off the 10 Freeway, 909-629-7621.
Pacific Design Center in West Hollywood, California. One night where entrepreneurs of all genres come together celebrating entrepreneurship. You can call it a Hollywood red carpet remix, where entrepreneurs put their own personal spin on Hollywood red carpets, discovering their own Oscar-worthy awards show with the help of the EOTM Awards. For more information, follow on Twitter at EOTM Awards and like on Facebook at EOTM Awards. Visit www.eotmawards.com for ticketing information. This is a EOTM Media Group production.
EOTMBuzzWire.com is a monthly magazine on the web. Continuing with EOTM's mission to encourage, empower, and enlighten. BuzzWire magazine at EOTMBuzzWire.com will help bring entrepreneurs together and connecting minds will increase networks to increase networks. Read EOTM Buzzwire magazine each month at EOTMBuzzwire.com and stay enlightened and empowered. Thank you. 
And welcome back to the Queens of Internet Radio. This is your girl, Carla B. My girls, Queen G, repping the West Coast, EOTM family. Don EOTM Adams and Say to Say is holding the show down with me tonight. And you best believe we are always excited as ever to be right back here with our friends once again, where we are always striving to encourage empower and enlighten your mind and speaking of enlightening if you are needing some you will always find it when you visit www.queensofinternetradio.com and you can also stream live to all of our shows at www.eotmradio.com and for the entrepreneur and you guess what we got a place for you as well. Visit www.eotm.com, spread the word, and create. Go ahead and create your space. EOTM is all about increasing networks because we understand that it increases your net worth. And as I stated at the top of the segment, my co-hosts are hanging. They're hanging tight with me tonight, y'all. And it's so great to to have everybody aboard with me. We're gonna start off with Don. It's it's great having you aboard. Don, it's been a minute. How's everything on your side? Uh, pretty good. I can't complain. I appreciate you having me on the panel uh, for such a uh, controversial subject. Um, I hope that um, you know. I hope that something that we say, uh, you know, can be of use to someone out there, uh, whether you are for or against. Uh, you know, this particular uh, topic. That's it. All right. Okay, cool thing. Thanks for having, thanks for giving us a portion of your evening, and I'm sure your input will be um, well-perceived, well-deserved, all that good stuff. Queen G, girlfriend, you there? Yes, ma'am. How's everybody today? <laughs> um, thank, I'm, 
I'm going to say, like Don said, I, I appreciate the opportunity for having me on today's show. Um, wow. Wow. I can't wait. I'm I'm excited. <laughs> That's what's up. That's yeah, what's up. Stay so. too safe. What's good with you, girlfriend? Well, ma'am, uh, you know, I just have butterflies in my stomach right now. I am just so excited for this topic because it's such a, like a diversional topic and very personal, so I am looking forward to it, definitely. Okay. All right. Well, that's what's up, Say Tuesday. Mm-hmm. What I want to do, you guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll come right back and we'll dive into this controversial topic. Hold tight, everybody. You better believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. over 30 
19 million black lives within the last 30 years. It has taken one-third of our present population. What is it? You want to know? It's abortion. Abortion, y'all. Don't believe it? Well, you don't have to. But you will be a fool not to because the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has provided the tragic statistics. According to the CDC, y'all, since 1973, the year of the Supreme Court decision, decision Roe versus Wade, 13 million African-American lives have been lost to, to abortion. The CDC reports that of the approximately 4,000 abortions that are performed daily in the United States, 1,452 of them are performed on African-American women and their pre-born children. This means that although African-Americans represent only 12% of the population of the United States, they account for 35% of the abortions performed in this country. If that doesn't open eyes, you know, that this is a growing crisis within the African-American communities, I must say, it's quite possible nothing will. EOTM decided to have a series of shows on the subject because we feel that if we know the information and are powered with facts, we can go about in an effort to make change. And y'all know what change is, right? That's what Obama has preached, um, preached all along. So at this time, I want to take um, some time out to welcome one of our guests that will be chiming in with us for the first hour of our show. We have Catherine Davis from the Georgia Right to Life organization. Catherine, are you with us? I am. I am. Thank you for having me with you. Well, thank you, Catherine, and welcome to EOTM Radio. And before we dive into our segment, I want, um, if you can, if you can please share with our listeners a little, a little bit about you and um, Georgia Right to Life. Um, I am the Director of Minority Outreach for Georgia Right to Life, and for a little over a year now have been reaching out to pastors and other black leaders to sound the alarm about the topic that you're speaking of tonight. I, I go into churches, I go to colleges and universities. As a matter of fact, if you get two people in the room, I will come to talk about the impact that is so horrific on the black community. I believe, as does Georgia Right to Life, there has to be something else contributing to this number. Um, in, in our estimation, the numbers are even higher than you just cited because the CDC, to three years behind in their reporting, on the actual number of abortions. Um, but if you if you look at the Alan Guttmacher website, you can pretty much project the numbers actually are based on what they've been for the past 10 or so years. So America's been averaging about 1.2 million abortions a year in this country. And the Guttmacher Institute, as well as the CDC, reports that about 37 million of those abortions 
37%, I'm sorry, of those abortions are on black women. Well, if you take the current number of 51, at least 51 million abortions since 1973, we're talking about closer to 19 million black babies that have died by abortion. And if 6 million Jews died in the Holocaust of Germany, what would we call almost 19 million black babies dying in America at the hands of the abortionists? Wow. And that's powerful um, how you put that. Um, definitely um, an analogy I wouldn't have came up with. But I know that, um, you know, I mentioned Georgia right to life. Um, and, I, and I have a good idea as far as the purpose, but maybe for some listeners out there that are a little bit confused as to the purpose of Georgia Right to Life, if you can go ahead and elaborate on that. Yes, Georgia Right to Life was founded in 1973, uh, actually 1970, I'm sorry, prior to uh, Roe v. Wade becoming the law of the land, to begin to address the issue of abortion um, in the state of Georgia. Primarily, they educate um, the community about abortion and its impact, including the, the ramifications of abortion that we don't really consider, um, such as extreme premature birth rates and a direct link between uh, abortion and breast cancer. Um, so it's an educational arm, but it's also a politically active arm in that they typically offer legislation each year that would impact the number of abortions that are allowed to occur in this state. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for that. And, and again, um, as I said at the top of the segment, thank you for giving us a portion of your evening to um, enlighten our listeners. Um, I want to start off um, – ladies and gentlemen, with a little information as to um, what will be discussed tonight. And um, I had put out some blogs and some, some different articles online. We even had some press releases. So we got a, lot, a little bit of slack from individuals that were not, you know, that didn't understand as to the statistics we were putting out there. Um, some of them believed that it was things that were made up. So I do want to start off with how I acquired the information that's going to be discussed tonight. Um, I want to go on to say that the Center for Business and um, Economic Research at the University of Dayton, we got a lot of information um, from their um, focus group. And what they did was they conducted a, a focus group with African-American women. Now, from the information that I found via these focus groups, I was able to discern some basic information as to how these women perceive the abortion issue as well as their attitudes towards right to life. Um, area crisis pregnancy centers as well as organizations such as Planned Parenthood. So based on these um, initial findings, what this focus group decided to do was they continue, they continue to conduct a number of personal interviews, group, group discussions, and more formal focal groups over the, the next two years of their research. The participants in the research, they range from teens, single mothers, fathers, pastors, and other professionals. And some had, some of these people had experienced abortion. Many consider themselves to be pro-choice. So what I want to do is I want to touch on some of their findings that 
I hope will begin to foster a concerted effort on the part of the pro-life movement just to be able to reach out in a more effective manner to our African-American neighbors. And, um, you know, just like I stated at the beginning um, of the seg segment, as far as the topic, it is uh, the awakening of African-Americans. So hopefully we'll be able to open some eyes, open some eyes tonight. Now, I realize that these findings, they represent a dominant, they represent dominant opinions. However, it is important to keep in mind that not all African Americans think alike any more than do any, than do individuals and any other group of people. So bringing it all together, the, the university found that the more removed someone was cultural influences, the less likely he or she was to share in some of these attitudes, for an example. While the group as a whole did not feel that the desire to keep a pregnancy a secret had much bearing on abortion decisions, the participants who were suburban and college educated seemed to feel that the need for secrecy was an overriding concern. One of the, the most striking findings was the high rate of denial many of the participants exhibited over the rate of abortion within the African-American community. And some even accused the researchers of making up figures to make them look bad. And one participant even went on to mention that her first reaction was, when she heard about the statistics, her first reaction was, here we go again. She felt that white people were um, telling them, telling us one or more things that we were doing wrong. Um, what I want to do is I want to, you know, get everybody's opinion on what I just um, spoke of. Uh, I want to get everybody's opinion that's on the line right now that we have already unmuted. So what I want to do is first start off with Catherine. But before I do, I just want to put it out there that there's a little bit of, of feedback in a way. Um, not for sure where it's coming from. So everybody that um, has already spoken on the line, if you could just please be mindful of that. Um, we're going to start it off with, with Catherine. Um, would you like to chime in on what I just spoke of? Um, I'm a little bit surprised by your by that study that, that women were in denial. Now, I do know and have encountered that most African Americans have no idea of the impact that abortion is having, um, but usually when the truth is shared, many of them understand of us, rather, understand it and begin to look at the abortion issue a little bit differently. I haven't encountered the denial, however, that you that you described. Okay. Okay. Um, thanks for that, Catherine. Um, say, too, did you want to chime in on that? Yes. Um, I definitely want to say that as far as them being in denial, I doubt that they're being in denial because they are pretty much aware of the things that are going on as far as abortion. But um, I just, like, wanted to say as far as the center body reform, I was um, reading it, and basically they were saying that um, abortions per day was, one like, 150,000, and um, they were basically saying – Saying like 17 percent were um, from developed countries, and 83 percent was from developing countries. And um, really, I don't find that amazing because I can like kind of see it like that. 
But as far as people within the United States, people are, well, my personal, people are just trying to find an easy way out as far as them not being able to take care of their responsibilities as far as them getting pregnant. If, if you was never raped, um, I feel as though that you should just woman up and take it into, consider, in, well, into consideration as far as your child because, yes, you might be considered as a statistic, but you are truly and really harming your body. Like I know a couple of friends who have had three, four, five, six abortions, and they're only 23. So, um, and yes, <laughs> and that is crazy. I constantly try to put that in their heads. Like, you are really destroying your body. Like, that is not healthy for you. And as far as me, I would never, ever, ever, ever take back having my three kids. Yes, I may be only 23 years old, but as far as me having my kids, I would never do, like, never do that. Like, I can think back to when I was pregnant with my third child, and I was so depressed. I mean, literally, I was sitting in my room and 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 just cry and just think about how um, disappointed my parents would be and how people would look at me and look at me as being a nobody because I have three kids. But then every time I thought about me not having the abortion, come happy again. I just want to say that people as a general just need to open up their eyes and just know that abortion is not healthy for your body and you definitely need need to um, take that into consideration as okay. far as that. Okay. Um, well, I want to um, say, because I guess maybe you guys didn't really understand as to um, the question that I was putting out there. Um, basically, um, what, I, what I think within that particular um, question was a lot of women, it wasn't like they were in denial, but they felt that they needed to keep their pregnancy a secret. But why would you want to keep it a secret? What the hell is that going to do is, like, torment you more about you doing that? I think it's better for them to even try, try to consider talking to, to somebody and get an opinion on that type of decision. Yes, it might be your body. Well, I'll say this. Another I'll say this really quick. Yeah, I'm going to say this, and, and this is um, coming from, like, personal experiences. I, I got pregnant at age 16, and I was scared to death, so I could not tell my parents. I couldn't tell anybody in my family. And so I kept my pregnancy a secret until I was about six months six months pregnant. So, you know, I think situations like that, considering, you know, as far as teen pregnancy was on the rise back when I was, you know, 16. That was about, you know, um, <laughs> I'm not going to say how many years ago, but it was on the rise then, um, and then it, it's definitely on the rise again now. So um, with that, I want to um, turn it to, to Don to see what his comments is on that, and then we'll turn it to um, Queen G. Um, wow, a lot of information. Um, you know, I, I agree with a lot of what uh, uh, set, set uh Say you always say my name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize. I get tongue tied. That's okay. But you know, and I'm sorry. But you know, uh, say too. I'm sorry. Say too. But I, I want to agree with a lot of what say too is saying because <clears throat> you know, as a counselor myself here in the Atlanta area, uh, a lot of the uh, abortion and, and, and unwanted pregnancy issue 
uh, I think, came from folks uh, or people and that generally uh, just weren't fessing up or weren't being grown-up about doing grown-up things. And <clears throat> abortion has, has become a tool uh, of birth control. You know, and I, and I heard the statistics about how African-American women are having so many abortions. But, you know, I, I'm going to put this out there that when I did some research on this topic as well, um, 60% of the abortions that happen in this country are done by white women. Um, you know, 60%. Now, don't get me wrong, I still know that a disproportionate number of, of African-American women are performing abortions, but that's only because we make a smaller percentage of the population. So I think it's important for everyone to understand how those numbers correlate with each other. And I think, Can too, I chime other, in on that? I'm, I'm sorry? I, I, this is Catherine. I'm sorry. I, I want to okay. chime in on what you just said. Mm-hmm. You said you're in Atlanta. Yes, I am. In 2008, there were 32,066 abortions mm-hmm. performed on Georgia women. Mm-hmm. Of that number, 18,901 were on black women, according to the Georgia Department of Health. That's almost 60% of the abortions in this state were mm-hmm. done on black women. Well, well, I Catherine, think there's I, something more happening than mm-hmm. we're just looking at the percentages um, in a disproportionate way. I believe that the black community is targeted by the abortion industry, and I think that mm-hmm. we can point to very specific indicators of that, mm-hmm. such as the location of the abortion clinic. 100% of the clinics in Georgia are in urban areas where we reside. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they're in majority black neighborhoods, but they certainly, if there is a percentage of black population located in a neighborhood, then the clinic is going to be in the part of the neighborhood where the blacks reside, and it's not going to be in the majority community. And I think that's by design. Okay, well, Catherine, let me just say this that, you know, number one, the numbers that I'm looking at are on a national average and not just on a Georgia average. And, uh, you know, I respect the numbers that you have, and, I, and I, you know, I don't know enough to either to disagree with you on those facts, but I do know that on a national average, white women make up 60% of the abortion rate in the country and not Georgia. But, you know, with the thing that you're saying about where the abortion clinics are located, you know, I'm, I'm going to say this. You know, we have liquor stores in, in, in just about every African-American community that, that's, that's, you know, that's you know, in existence here in Atlanta on just about every block in the African-American community. We also have churches on just about every block in African-American communities. But people are choosing to go to the liquor stores more than they're choosing to go to the churches. Now, one of the comments that you made earlier was that, you know, you did not think that women were aware of or were, you know, or that they were in denial of certain things. Well, I beg to differ a little bit about that because of the fact that I believe, you know, abortion should be a pro-choice issue or it should be a choice, a right-to-choose issue. But I think that even more so importantly than that is that we need to educate our young people. We need to educate our men and we need to educate our women. And we need to educate them on the consequences of, of, of committing adult acts uh, and using abortion as a tool of, uh, of birth control. Um, you know, and I think that an ounce of uh, education goes a long way towards prevention. Now, me, myself, personally, I'll be honest with the panel and with the public and with, their, and with all those within uh, earshot of my voice, I'm against abortion. I think that, you know, hey, that's, I think that's outrageous. But I do believe that people should have the right to choose. 
and uh, along with that, make along with that, make an informed decision. Okay, thank you um, for that, um, Don. I want to um, switch it to Queen G, and then we do have um, a lot of um, callers and keys. So I want to get some of their comments on um, what we put out there. Queen G. Yes, um, I'm I'm so thankful for um, this type of show and this type of panel because. It, it just provides us with so much information, you know what I mean? I, I've, I'm very shocked about the numbers that I heard in the beginning um, about how many millions of African Americans are getting abortions. That's, it's just very shocking. I mean, I've never heard it. And being compared to the Holocaust, those numbers, it's, it's just really devastating. Um, I heard that word stated earlier. And um, I'm going to piggyback, I guess, off of what Don said uh, regarding how uh, so many, and I know I can only speak kind of for California because that's that's where I'm at, um, and I'm very familiar with um, teen, the teen pregnancy rating and you know the 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 teen you know area or genre, and I do know that they are using abortion as a form of birth control, and. I don't know if it's misinformation or if they're going along with the trend of it all. Um, a lot of times teenagers, uh, they they follow along with a trend. And nowadays a lot of the young people, um, they, they, <laughs> they have this no care type of attitude. And it's like, well, shoot, if I get pregnant, I could just get rid of it. You know, it's, it's, it's that mentality. I've heard it stated out of, young people's mouths, um, and, and this, this generation, I know, to me, more information has been provided about birth control, about, you know, preventative measures, things they have access to in the schools, they have access to condoms and, you know, ways that they could prevent it, but they still go along with the trend of it all because it's the popular thing to do. And, you know, as a young person, I was also – a teen mom. I had my first child at 14, my second by 16. Um, before I even got out of the 10th grade or the 12th grade, I mean, I had two children already, um, and I stuck it out. I stayed with, you know, my children and chose to, to keep them, you know, and it is a very difficult choice to make when you're that age level. You get taunted and teased and that mm -hmm. kind of thing, and trust and believe the thought of getting rid of them definitely entered my mind. But traditionally, as well as the way that I was taught, you know, you hang on to your children and you take care of your responsibility. You know what I mean? Even even if mistakes are made. But I wanted to, you know, put it out there to the entire panel. What do you think about this trend? I know in California that's what they're doing. I mean, it's a trend. It's not misinformation. It's not how they're being educated. Sante, we're going to get on that, and that's a, definitely a great question to present to the panel, but I want to um, kind of stick to the format that we have right now, and then we'll, okay. you know, there's time at the end, we'll definitely jump back into that. What I want to do is we do have some callers and keys, so I want to see if they wanted to chime in on what we spoke of so far. And first off, I want to go ahead and unmute area code 404-453. I believe this is our good friend Paulette Beebe out of Atlanta. You are live on air with EOTM. Um, do you have a comment or, or questions um, in regards to what we spoke up so far? Okay. Um, All right, we'll wait a little bit to get her 
to get her on. I'm going to um, unmute another caller who's been holding so ever so patiently. And, uh, and I'm going to unmute you, but um, I'm going to need you to speak on what we spoke of so far, and then we'll touch on other things in a little bit. Um, the area code that I'm unmuting is 678-724. Believe I'm, this is Ashley out of Atlanta. Welcome to the show. Hey. Yeah, about the trend, I think it's really going on, uh, like, a lot of places around the world. There's actually a movie out where uh, there was a pact where females actually had, uh, like, a promise hey. that they were all going to get pregnant together, and they were actually teenagers. And I'm actually 19. Well, I, have, I, I have a lot of... Actually, we weren't talking about the trend right now. Um, if you want to touch on what um, we spoke of at the top of the hour, um, or did you want to hold tight until we talk about the oh, about the, about the um, like the secrecy uh, about teen pregnancy? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, actually, I got pregnant when I was 15, and um, I told my, my sister and my brother, and I didn't tell my parents. And my brother actually is a parent, and, uh, you know, I didn't tell them. I was really scared, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I had actually uh, almost made up my mind to get an abortion because I wanted to go to college and I wanted to do all this with my life. I was a straight-A student. But I had my daughter. She's two and a half now, and I don't regret having her. I do not regret having her. But um, I think a lot – well, okay, this is kind of about the trend. I'll say that later, but, you know, a lot of people that actually keep it a secret. Yeah, as for the secrecy, how long did you keep your, your pregnancy a secret? I uh, like two months, two and, two and a half, maybe, not even. Okay. Mhm. Mm right. Yeah, but I don't want to have her. And I know actually a lot of females who keep their pregnancy a secret and have an abortion, and their parents still don't know that they were ever pregnant. Mm. Wow. Um, let me ask um, Catherine if she wanted to chime in on, on any of that. Yeah, I... I um have not encountered, and, and I'm very interested in, in hearing the panel and their experiences with their pregnancies, and, and, and it does my heart good to hear that they decided to keep their babies. I, I haven't encountered the secrecy um, part of it, although it breaks my heart to hear that there are young people who don't tell their parents because there are consequences to those kinds of decisions that I don't believe everybody has the information on. And so if you're keeping it a secret and you're having a secret abortion and not informing your parents or your pastor or school counselor or someone that could give some direction about the the implications of making that kind of um decision on your own. Um, it's, it's a difficult situation. It's, it's always difficult when, when you find that you are pregnant, but there has to be a better answer than keeping it secret, but there also has to be a better answer than going forward with an abortion, not understanding all of the consequences that could happen as a result of that decision that you make. Right, right. All right. Well, thanks for that, Catherine. I want to um, take a quick commercial break, everybody, and we'll come back with more of the awakening of African Americans on EOTM Radio, Part One. Hold tight, everybody. 
And welcome to your Black Money Minute, presented to you by BlackMoneyMatters.com. You know, when two people decide to get married, it's a pretty exciting time, but it also brings up a lot of hard questions. One of these questions is, how exactly are you and your spouse-to-be going to merge your money? The first step in doing this is to start discussing your financial goals. A good exercise to get this going is for each partner to make a list of his or her short-term goals, like paying off a credit card, getting a new car, or even going on a vacation. Then begin to list your long-term goals, like retirement or having a baby. From there, you should be able to determine which of these goals are a priority to both of you. Then, once you've identified these goals, you can focus your energy on achieving them. This is Gil Michelle. That was your Black Money Minute, presented to you by BlackMoneyMatters.com. To get more information and receive our free newsletter, visit BlackMoneyMatters.com. Welcome back, everybody. Um, I want to start back up um, with some information from the study. According to this, this same study, men especially seem to believe that abortion was a white problem. We were frequently told our women didn't do that. Some men expressed this belief that any black woman was seeking abortion for economic reasons. Their thinking went along the line that black women are used to being poor and that they somehow always made room at the table for another mouth to feed. The women tended to believe that while abortions did indeed occur, they usually were reserved for serious situations where no other option was perceived was perceived to exist, and economics often played an important part. I know that's kind of, you know, everybody got something to say about that, and we'll start it off with, with Catherine. Go ahead and chime in on that. You know, the, the myth here is that the black women who are seeking abortion are poor women. Um, those are the women that the abortion industry is attempting to get to. They haven't gotten to the Medicaid woman the woman that's <laughs> able to stretch a dollar until yes. it hollers, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so so for, there's, there's this great myth that these children would be born in poverty and and somehow um, abortion seems to be the only answer to that. But I think the, the belief that we can manage our money in a way to be able to afford our children is true, except that we have been, I think, sold the bill of goods that the only answer we have is to abort the baby. Um, But it's not the poor woman. It's the educated um, college woman. It's a married woman. Um, It's it's, it's not these very poor women who are on food stamps or getting Medicaid that are the ones that are primarily visiting our abortuaries around the the country. Mm. Wow, and that's a way to put it, abortuary. Um, Don, uh, you want to chime in on that? Um, yeah, you know, I, I agree with a lot of what she's saying there on, on that on those on her points um, with who's having these abortions. Um, you know, but what's happening too is I know she mentioned that the uh, the welfare uh, recipients, most of them, are, aren't finding their ways to the abortion clinics. And you know, and this is one of the things that I think is 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 also alarming, <clears throat> is that uh, you know, without the abortion uh, being on uh, choice being on the table, um, you know, what you're finding is that a lot of women are taking alternative routes that are dangerous, 
Um, and I think that those are the numbers that we don't hear about. Um, you know, in, in my experience in counseling and dealing with with different uh, families and situations, you know, I've always said that when people have real issues and real life concerns, they're not always in a hurry to jump up and down on the table and say, hey, here I am, I've got this problem. Um, I think the call earlier uh, indicated that she kept her pregnancy a secret for, for uh, two months. Imagine what, how that would have turned out had she uh, come forward with it beforehand. And when I say that, I say that. I'll just, I'll just add, uh, I'll, I'll, I lead up to this point, which is that when we talk about these issues and these abortion uh, uh, patterns and, and, and characteristics um, and statistics, we need to keep in mind that there is a such thing as a hidden number. And the hidden number are those that do not come forth and that do not step through the cracks. Where are these people? Where are they going? They're going to your counseling office, and they're telling their stories to those that in places that uh, they don't necessarily need to be told. So with that being said, again, you know, um, you know, I think it's important that we realize that, you know, there are uh, you know, other unheard of options that are out there that our, our people are using. Okay. Uh, what right. unheard of options are that? Well, well, let me give you the, the, one second. Before we get to the back and forth um, between Catherine and Don, let's get some feedback from, from Faith, too, um, on what I just spoke of. Yes, I I totally agree with, uh, who was the, oh, oh, Catherine, yes. I totally agree with her on, on what she said about the well-educated um, women. Yes, that is so true to me, and I totally agree with you on that as far as that. But to me, I feel as though they are being very selfish. They are very self-centered as far as having the abortions. And they do have the money to to, uh, keep the baby, but they're just being selfish because they don't want nobody else in their life to, to, to ruin what they're having in plans of their life. But like the, like the way I say it, huh? Excuse me. What as as far as them being selfish? Yeah, because we don't know what their reasons are for for getting an abortion. Just because they're college educated and appear to have things going on, I don't really think that's fair to to say that um, you know they're they're some, being selfish. Well, well, some of them are selfish to me as far as that because like they know the consequences of having sex without a condom. <laughs> you don't, know what I'm um, don't um don't lower class not necessarily lower class people but lower income people know that as well. So what would you call them? Like as far as the the um, poor people who have babies and yeah, well maybe they were raised differently or maybe mm-hmm. it, maybe it's just the way their um, thoughts are for the whole abortion thing. So maybe mm-hmm. the well-catered folks are, or I'm thinking more so on, like, the easy way out or, like, maybe because I have the money to do so, then I can do it that way. Well, well, you know, we've had 37 years of being acculturated to accept abortion as an option for addressing our pregnancy. And for 37 years, it's been sold as a viable option because, if you'll remember, they didn't start out saying that it was a baby. They said it was a blob of tissue. It wasn't a life. It wasn't viable in order to get us acclimated to the idea that abortion is the route to go. 
Um, so there's, there's a lot of reasons that women may choose to go ahead and abort their babies. I, again, think it's because of targeting. I don't think it's just simply um, someone being selfish or or desiring, you know, to just um, use abortion as, I'm sorry, I do believe women have been targeted to use abortion as birth control as opposed to weighing all of the options that might be available to them. Um, someone said earlier that they had a friend that had several abortions, like a large number that made me grunt. Yes. I think it was like five or six abortions. Yes. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, what do you call that? But in a culture that says it's okay to be a strong black woman and exercise your right to choose, um, it becomes difficult to cast those women as being selfish because that's what they've heard for the last 37 years, that it's okay. Care of the, quote, problem um, will help you with your problem, not this is a viable life that you might want to consider. And I would ask that woman that had that many abortions um, um, what their feelings are, because my experience has shown me that when a woman has an abortion like that, it impacts her self-esteem. There's a measure of depression that mm -hmm. happens, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I'm meeting women from all over the country, and they, and they tell me what they experience. And then personally I can tell you as a post-abortive woman that there is depression that happens. And there are some women that can't deal with the fact that they took the life of their child, and many of them, commit suicide, but we don't hear about that. We don't hear about those women who are so impacted that they turn to drugs or alcohol or become even more promiscuous in order to justify the guilt that, that many of them are experiencing. And I'm reporting firsthand testimonies, not something that someone told me or that I heard in the street, but women that have subsequently gotten healed of, of their angst about having aborted their children and are now able to talk about it, they will admit what they went through, but we don't talk about those things. And as I mentioned at the top of the program, we don't talk about the link between breast cancer, the number of sisters that are now battling breast cancer because they aborted their first child and never had a child after that so that their breasts oh, yeah. couldn't mature. You know, so there's a lot of hidden impact to this decision to abort your child that I think goes beyond the the selfishness question, although there may be women who are selfishly doing it, because I know I was one of those women, and I selfishly did it. Um, okay, Catherine, I have I, one question for you. I have one, sure. one question for you. Um, how do you feel as... How you... Okay, cool. Um, how do you feel as though about women who who have abortions because it's not by the right guy or the one oh that Lord. they want to have uh, have a have a baby by, or, or maybe because the baby father is cheat is 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 cheating on them, or or because um, he's ugly, or how you feel about that? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> well, yes, I've heard. I've heard. Trust me, I've heard. 
see now now yeah, there may be some women that are making decisions like that. I, I don't think at least I pray that that is not the reason that most women have it. But I would say to those women, why, if you felt that way, did you have unprotected sex in the first place? Why exactly. weren't you afraid in a day and age when the leading cause of death for African-American women, 18 to 34, is HIV, why weren't you afraid to do that? Um, why do and men have sex? Why do men have sex? Yes, for like the same sex, women sex, that sex women is, have sex. <laughs> sex is yeah, and that's a whole and that's a whole whole different topic. That's probably gonna be like part three of the well, series. Well, you know what? Can I can I say something? If I, if yeah. I could, if I could, you know, I, I heard it. Yeah, I, I wanted to answer. I wanted to answer uh, Catherine's question about uh, unheard of methods, uh, and 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 I, maybe I termed it wrong, but what I actually meant by unheard of methods were methods of abortion. Um, that are not your traditional methods, methods that, um, you know, for all intents and purposes are not in the mainstream uh, uh, abortion sort of arena. Uh, I've heard of people trying to use yoga, acupuncture, uh, certain abortion medicines, hemeopathy, um, uh, back room doctors with hangers. Uh, wow. so, those are the types of methods that I'm talking about. And, Ew. you know, as far as, and as, far as uh, black women being targeted, uh, for abortions, um, you know, I, I only have one comment to that. You know, I, and I, I find that very hard to, to kind of, you know, to kind of agree with because of the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, um, when these women are choosing to have these abortions, and I said choosing, um, no one is going into their homes and knocking on their doors and saying, "Hey, if you're pregnant, come on out, we're going to give you an abortion." So I don't, I don't agree with the targeting, with it being identified as targeting. But what I will say is this: as an African American man who does feel like I'm targeted for certain social traps, I can say this, that, you know, the fact that our women are not or or undereducated about the risk involved with abortions, undereducated about the alternatives to not getting pregnant, I think that that aspect of abortion is targeted. And I think that these doctors and some of these entities out here are monopolizing and capitalizing and making money off of that aspect. So with that being said, I strongly agree and, and, and I strongly say, I want to put this out there, that I really believe education, education, education okay. is the key. Right, right. I, wanna, I agree um, with that. I just, I just I mean, want, can I just really do this quick, one little quick thing? Yeah, there is a I'm, movie, I'm and I don't, know, I don't know if you all have heard of this movie. It's called Myafa 21. And, bro, I'm in Atlanta. I'd be more than happy to get a copy into your hands. But I do believe there's targeting, just like we put, uh, we fight the liquor stores and tobacco in our community. We are being marketed to. In 2009, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Supreme Court Justice, said Roe v. Wade was the case that was going to enable us to get rid of the populations we don't want too many of. And so I think we have to be aware of that. And there's this movie, the documentary, My Alpha 21. I would encourage you all to get it. It's on YouTube. You can watch it in segments for free or contact me afterwards, and I'll get a copy in your hands. I want to um, thank for that, Catherine. And I know the time with you is, is doing it a little bit because it's almost um, been um, almost um, to the 8 o'clock hour. But I want to um, – on something that you and, and Don touched on as far as targeting. You know, I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, I feel that 
young, some young African-American women that are from lower-income families, they are being targeted, and I think that they're being targeted by their own families. Uh, they're being targeted by their, by their mothers, by their uncles, by their aunts, by their grandmothers. And I'll say this, me, by being a, a teen mom, um, I, I, you know, get pregnant um, when I was 16 years old. I was not a promiscuous child or anything. First time I got, first time I had sex, I got pregnant, um, and I was scared to death. I didn't tell anybody for six months, but when I did, I was six months pregnant. My belly was sticking way out, and I tell you, everybody in my family, including my father, um, they said, "Go get an abortion." Let's go get an abortion. You have to get an abortion. You know, and um, I just felt like, you know, I was just being, you know, I was just drowning in the in the despair because I had, you know, I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about being a parent, of course, being 16 years old, but the only thing I knew was that there was something growing in me that was kicking every night and for everybody. You know, I just felt like I was being just targeted by them. I didn't get the information in the beginning as far as, um, you know, I didn't get any talks about sex or anything. Um, no real talks about sex. Um, I remember when I was about 15 and I had a sex education class and I was, you know, getting talks and stuff. But as far as my family, you know, I guess it was just like, you better not have sex, you know. So that was that. And um, so as far as targeting, I, I definitely agree that there's targeting in our own family. And with that, I, I want to um, open it up to some of the callers because I know that we have some young ladies on the line who have, um, you know, thought about abortion and things of that sort. So I want to ask Ashley Carter, and then I, we do have um, Paulette Beattie um, that is online as well. So I'm going to unmute you after Ashley, so please be ready. Um, Ashley, did you want to touch on targeting? Yes, actually, I was I was also targeted by my family. My own father told me he was going to disown me if I didn't get an abortion. So that okay. really hurt me, you know. And and I was almost okay. like at the mm -hmm. I was Don't almost like me. at the point. Yeah, I was almost like at the point where I had to get an abortion, and and even like the father, he did. He was like, "Well, either way, I'm, I'm behind you." And I, I didn't know like how I was going to finish with my life if I didn't get an abortion, but I ended up keeping him. And actually, my okay. my own parents actually tried to force me. Tried, I looked. I had to look up the laws and make sure they couldn't force me to get an abortion. Mm, wow, that's powerful. Well, on um, on that note, Georgia has a bill that is being considered by the House of Representatives right now that would ban an abortion um, if someone was being coerced into it. Um, so there will be laws prayerfully on the books that would prevent someone's parents from forcing them, as this young lady said, into aborting their child if that's not what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. okay. um, let me, uh, um, thanks, thanks, Ashley, and hold tight because we want to keep you on. We have another hour remaining. want to see Paulette Beatty, 404-453. Are you with us? Yes, I am. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Good evening. Did you want to chime in on um, some of the things that we've been talking about tonight? Yes, I will. Um, I was thinking earlier today when this subject was brought to me and that we were going to talk about this tonight, and I thought to myself, how many women do I personally know who've had an abortion? My friends, my family members, myself. And I thought to myself, wow, 
I couldn't think of really more than five people who haven't had one, the people that I know in my life who are with whatever reasons. And I thought to myself, wow, this subject had to be touched on. And it's a great topic because it has to be spoken on. You know, black women, we have so many things we're trying to do in this world. We're trying to raise children, have jobs, have relationships. And, you know, abortion is such a, a touchy subject. It's so personal. The decisions you make about this is something that, you know, it's not affects only you, but to, if you have children already, if you have family members, a husband, a boyfriend, significant other, it's just it's just a subject that needs to be touched on. And I feel like a lot of women feel like they make decisions for other people and not themselves. Because um, having a baby is a big responsibility. I have a three-month-old, and I have two other beautiful children. So even as a grown woman, you know, having the responsibility of raising three children and um, taking care of them, it's, it's a big load. But it's something I chose to do because I wanted them in here, and I brought them here. And I just feel like a lot of women need an outlet to, you know, to um, get their voice heard about how they feel about abortion, you know, whether it's for themselves, family members, friends. Because, like I said, I know a lot of people, and I think if you all thought about it, a lot of women in our lives have had abortions. And I just feel like, you know, it's a good topic that we can bring it out and getting out to the public. Right, right, right. I want to, um, thanks for that, and definitely I'm going to keep you on meeting, so if you want to come in, you know, um, definitely stay around. Catherine, I know that you'll be leaving in a minute, but before you do, I definitely want to touch on some other things. Um, if you have about five, ten more minutes? Okay, I want to skip over. Okay, I'm going to skip over a couple of things in our format just to touch on some things that I want to get some feedback from Catherine about. But we're going to talk about the reactions to um, to some pro-life materials. Um, very little pro-life literature um, held, um, much appeal to the African-American women um, in this study, that is. It was generally perceived as being written by white people for white people. Um, mm-hmm. I feel there should be more information directed towards women facing a crisis in pregnancy, including um, photos of aborted babies, something which many crisis pregnancy centers have avoided using. Because um, as I stated at the time of the hour, I have had, um, I don't know if I stated that, but I have had an abortion. And um, going into those pre- um, pregnancy um, crisis centers, I got literature, but never pictures. Um, my research revealed that, um, you know, these photos, which by large have never been seen in the African-American community, um, well, I'm not going to say have never been seen in the African-American community, but not not much, um, they, they would have an extremely powerful impact. Um, women who have experienced abortion appear to feel most strongly that the photos should be shown, and, um, you know, I can attest to this. Some of these women describe how they have been pressured into abortions, as we said earlier, by family members, and said that that they, if they had known more about abortion, they might have been in a better position to resist the pressure. You know, um, I remember one young woman, especially, who stated, "If I had been able to show these pictures to my brother, I just know he would have not wanted me to to um, to have an abortion." Another thing the focus group found that might be especially useful for post-abortion healing is the power of the testimonial. The voice of women who have been there is something African-American women really seek. Um, there is a strong sense that if I if I haven't walked the walk, don't try to talk the talk. And I'll say this, just, you know, being an African-American woman, 
um, me and my girlfriends talk about a lot of things, but I don't ever remember sitting within a circle with my girlfriends talking about, you know, post-abortion experiences, and um, we've all had them. All of my friends have had abortions. Um, so I want to, um, you know, get your thoughts on this. We'll start with, with Catherine, and then we'll go around the board, Don, say two, and uh, we'll get um, Ashley and Paulette's comments. Well, I, I agree that there needs to be more literature, and in fact, I have written a brochure myself entitled Abortion, Why Black Women Should Be um, Aware of the History of Abortion in This Nation. Um, in terms of the pictures, you know, personally, I'm not a picture person, and I think it depends on the individual. However, Georgia Right to Life and other abortion providers do show the pictures, and are waging educational campaigns that include the uh, pictures. And so and at some events you will see more pictures being shown of an actual abortion. Um, and it might help. You know, one of the things that I just discovered, um, there was a late-term abortion doctor who was describing a late-term abortion because she felt like we should have more of them and she has indicated that being African-American is a risk factor for abortion. And I never knew that. I never knew that simply by being black I was at risk to have an abortion. And those are the kinds of things that we need to talk about. And we need to raise it because it has been secret. There is a degree of shame attached to, having, to admitting having an abortion. There are organizations that are out here that do help. There's Silent No More Awareness. There are the pregnancy resource centers that have healing components um, to them for post-abortive women. There are a, a number of resources, should your, your listeners want them, that I can put you in touch with that are doing exactly what you're saying. We're beginning to remove the cloak. We're beginning to talk about the impact that abortion is having, um, both psychologically, physically, um, the whole nine yards, economically, everything. And having shows like this goes a very long way in helping to, to break that aura of silence that has kept so many of us from discussing this issue um, in a meaningful way. And you're right, we absolutely need to talk about it so that we can be aware of its impact on our community. Okay. Um, um, thanks so much for that. And I, I want to give you, um, um, Catherine Davis, to go ahead and, and, and cite your website and other contact information for listeners that may be wanting to get in contact with you and your organization after the, um, the segment. Yes, my email address is Catherine with a C, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E, -E, Davis, D-A-V as in Victor, I-S, all one word, at G-R-T-L dot org. I would um, welcome any emails anybody wanted to send me. Also, you can go to our website, too many com. that's T-O-O, manyaborted.com to get some history on the the targeting of the black community and the history of abortion in America. And I would welcome anyone reaching out to me, and it, it, especially 
if you want to see the movie My Alpha 21, I am setting up screenings of that movie all around Georgia and would welcome your listeners to come and hang out with me um, okay, and get yeah, the information. Definitely. Okay, and yeah. what I'll say is definitely I'll be in contact because we can probably do a live show at one of your screenings um, for part two of our series. So we'll definitely be in contact Wonderful. about that. And there's, yeah, there's someone in our, our chat room who is actually saying that they have that, that DVD. Um, Mafa um, 21 is the black genocide and in the 21st century America. So he said he has it. So that's what's up. Um, okay. I can't pronounce his or her name. I do apologize. I know the last name looks like it's Dorel. So thanks for that information. I'm definitely going to look forward to, to chiming in with you again, Catherine, um, and maybe doing, like I said, a live broadcast at the screening of that movie. Would love to um, do it. Yes, ma'am. So, um, let me go ahead and switch it to um, to Paulette. Did you want to touch on anything that um, um, Catherine um, just spoke about? Well, um, okay, Paulette, you there? Yes, I am here. Um, I feel like Catherine has um, some good information out there. I feel like that you know people can really look into if they have they need information about you know abortions and why, you know, us black women are running so quickly to get an abortion because, like I said earlier, the number of women that I know personally that have had abortions is is staggering. And I never would have thought about it until earlier today. So, yes. That's so um, staggering. Mind-boggling. It really is mind-boggling. And Mm -hmm. I also thought about the process when I took one of my girlfriends one time, how they wanted to give her a two-hour waiting period. It was like a two hours of just make that final decision, exactly. and with those, with those two hours, many girls walked out of that clinic, so it was just it was just very interesting how they just wanted to give you that time, and some clinics, I think, make you wait 24 hours, so to make sure, so well, it's just And, and let me say, the law in Georgia is 24 hours. There should never be a, an abortion done on the same day that you schedule mm-hmm. it. The law says you have to wait 24 hours in this state. Right, absolutely, because when I when it was a two-hour, this was years ago, this was not in Georgia, but there was a two-hour window that they gave them to just think about it, if you want to leave, if you want to make that decision to actually um, stay. So, um, but, yeah, it's just interesting how they give you that little, that last bit of moment, the little bit of time to try to make that decision, so. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, state 2, say, did you want to touch on that? Yeah, I feel as though that um, that's a that's a really good thing as far as them, well, helping us to make that final decision on making us wait like a couple of hours and stuff like that. But um, as far as what Catherine was was talking about earlier, as as far as talking about it, um, I feel as though that talking about it is pretty much not enough. I feel as though like high school kids and middle school kids should like maybe in health class should should um have a little discussion on the abortion topic and probably watch a movie or something something about it or maybe show them pictures or something just just like just to help them uh realize or maybe like make them think about that subject as far as them having sex and getting pregnant and then finally all of a sudden getting pregnant um, I feel as though that they should def- like definitely have that type of thing in schools. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, what about you, Don? You want to um, chime in on that? Yeah, um, I want to say to Catherine, thanks you know, for being a part of the program before she goes. Uh, I really appreciate her input. Um, um, you know, I, and I'm listening to what's going on on the on the panel, and, uh, you know, I'm blessed and, and honored to be the only male voice in it. You know, I hope some of these other guys can <laughs> chime in because, you know, I'm going to say this to, to the to the folks that are listening. You know, this, this, uh, this abortion issue in the black community is not just a black uh, female or, or, or issue. Um, I the know, men but that's need to step up. That's what we're talking about tonight, though. Well, um, and here's where I'm, mm-hmm. well, I'm going with it, is that education, okay, and I'm going to say it again, education. And, and, and again, I agree with what, uh, what Catherine is saying about, uh, you know, the consequences to having these abortions. But I think that if we educate our women uh, and our young men prior to, yeah. Uh, you know, them getting into that situation. I think that, you know, that goes a long ways for an ounce of prevention. And I listened to some of the callers say that their parents uh, were telling them that the answer to their pregnancy was abortion. You know, I'm going to say this, that, you know, that, and, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way towards the parents that are out there, but, you know, I've always believed that ignorance breeds it. And I don't mean that to say that you're, you're, you're ignorant in a negative way, but ignorant meaning if you don't know better, um, then right. you won't be able to teach better. And, um, you know, if if the answer from a parent is that you should have an abortion to resolve your pregnancy issue, in my mind, I think that that parent is simply saying, you know what, I failed you, so let's take the easy way out. Um, you know, once again, I don't agree with abortions personally, but I also don't agree that people should, uh, you know, force you to do something that you don't want to do and take away that person's choice. Exactly. Um, so, you know, you know, and with that being said, you know, again, I'm just going to say it, you know, loud and clear, even for those parents that are out there, education, you know, educate your children now before they get into this situation. Uh, you know, I was an early parent. I, I, I started having children at the age of uh, 15, and uh, my sex education was simply don't do it, and that was it. You know, and, that, and, you know, and at this point in my life when I've actually done it and had a child, you know, where, where do you go from there? You know, you wish you could have, should have, would have. You know, education. Mm-hmm. You know, education. Right, that's right. And that's what that's what this segment is about. We're trying to, to put it out there and, and educate the people and, and let them know how devastating abortion is for the African-American community. And that's what we're talking about tonight. This is the first part of many shows in the series, The Awakening of African-Americans. And I want to go ahead and go to some new callers for people who have been ever so patiently holding on um I want to go ahead and unmute area code 864-363. You are live on EOTM Radio. Did you have a question or a comment? I have a comment. Finally, a man. (laughs) (laughs) Greetings, family. Greetings. How are you all tonight? Hi. Great. Good. I I, I have a comment because... um, about the movie, because I, I, I'm the one, Baseda Darrell. I'm sorry, my name is Baseda Darrell. I was in the chat room. Okay, I could not pronounce yeah. your name. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. And um, the movie, it's a wonderful movie. But the thing, the problem that I have about the movie is um, the way they did it. It's almost like they, like um, whoever the creator of this movie has planted a seed of division of black people. You know, if you if you watch the movie, you're gonna you're gonna think twice about um, Jesse Jackson and and President Barack Obama. And that's the only flaw that I have in that movie. But everything else is correct. 
and um, I'm Catholic. I'm a practicing Catholic, among other things. And this Caucasian woman, because I'm such a figurehead in the church, wanted me to look at the movie. That's how I came across the movie, and I watched it. And I'm like, wow. But when they got to that, you know, stressed about the black leaders or the black people that has taken money from Planned Parenthood and all this kind of stuff, I was like, hmm. You know, know because I... I'm sorry. No, go ahead. And I and, and I have a problem with that because we as blacks we are already divided. Mm, exactly, you know. I'm with you on that. And, Let me just say, and, I'm with and, you and, on you that. Know, and, and you know, I'm, I'm you know being Catholic or whatnot. I'm for life, but at the same time, like the brother was saying, it is the person's choice. And um, I just I just feel that what we as a people need to start educating our children to love themselves. Mm-hmm. Love is the most yeah, powerful energy that we have not conquered yet. And I think if we start loving, teaching our children how to love themselves, not saying to be conceited because that's, the, that's fear or arrogance, that's fear, but just to love themselves. It doesn't matter what service I hear. They're not going to put themselves in harmful situations. And I just, that's, I live a very simplistic life, and that's what it boils down with me educating, but educating the person to love themselves. Because it's a wonderful movie, don't get me wrong, but if, you, if you're not strong, you will hate the leaders. Well, let that, me just say this, speaking of that, yes. let, me, let me just cut you off really quick because you, um, what you um touching on as far as our leaders is something that, you know, we're going to touch on a little bit later in the segment in regards to, um, you know, the Barack Obamas and the Reverend, uh, Reverend um, Sharpton um, as yeah. far as their, you know, what they're putting out there. And, and I'm, I'm one that believes that, okay, um, if, if we understand the statistics, if we see the statistics on how this is devastating the African-American community, um, how could you be um, you know, a professed black leader, um, you know, caring about black rights and you're, you're right. for abortion? And, and that's one thing I just can't understand. I can't fathom it, but I know it's, you know, it's, 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 it's politics and it's all about the, the dollar and things of that sort, but that's one thing I'm definitely not in agreement with, and I love some Barack Obama, um, but, you know, I, I'm not in agreement on a lot of things that he stands for, as well as some other African-American leaders out there. Don't go anywhere. Um, how do you pronounce your name again? Baseda Durrell. Okay, Baseda. Hold tight. I want to um, unmute the phone to um, one of our co-hosts of, of EOT and radio. I don't know if she wants to chime in or not. I may be putting her on the spot, but I did see her um, dropping the line and coming back on, so I want to see if Sweet Tea, the sassy diva, wanted to chime in on this, or were you just um, listening? Well, she may be just listening. I just wanted to, you know, unmute her and try to give her the opportunity to speak if she wanted to. But what I want to do really quick, everybody, we're going to definitely touch on what I was just touching on after um, a, a quick commercial break. So hold tight. We'll be right back, family.
Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to EOTM Radio, and this is our first series of, of many shows to come on the awakening of African Americans, and at this time, I definitely want to um, thank everybody um, that has chimed in on the panel tonight. Great show. I want to I wanna switch gears a little bit, um, you guys, and I want to um, touch on um, African American families. Um, women having the babies out of wedlock, um, contributing to, to to abortion. So I want to, African-American families have dealt with out of wedlock births by absorbing the child into the family structure with grandparents or aunts and formally adopting the child. And I know we've all seen that. While this continues to happen to a considerable degree, the number of women who choose abortion has gone kind of unnoticed. I don't know if we still have Catherine on, but there is a, a striking lack of knowledge about the pro-life movement within the African-American community. In um, the initial focus groups, no one was able to identify even what issue right to life was involved with. Um, when prompted that they were an organization that was opposed to abortion, they tended to identify them with stereotypical negative media images, such as those people who bombed clinics. While some were familiar with and had actually utilized area crisis pregnancy centers, they did not really connect them with abortion opposition or other pro-life efforts. On the other hand, virtually all the participants correctly identified the services provided by Planned Parenthood and generally had favorable opinions of that organization. They saw Planned Parenthood as a place where teens especially could go for help when their parents were not available. However, I did find it interesting that several women who had previously undergone abortions mentioned pressure from Planned Parenthood as contributing to their decision to abort, and I could definitely believe that because that actually um, happened to me. Um, Don, I'm gonna allow you um, to go ahead and chime in first on that if you want to. Um, you mean as far as the um, the actions of the plan, uh, Planned Parenthood folks? Is that where yeah. we're going with that? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I want to say this first of all um, that I don't know if, if a lot of people keep up with it or not, but you know, when we talk about the, the abortion rates and and, the, and we're also talking about uh, single parent households. You know, one of the things that our government likes to do is keep track of how many of our African-American women are single parents. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because they like to build prisons uh, based on those numbers. Um, that's a statistical fact in this country. So when we talk about the single parents and the single mothers that are out there, keep that in mind. But with the, the Planned Parenthood folks, you know, I want to say this. You know, you know, I, you know again, my personal choice is, is you know, hey, abortions, you know, shouldn't, it shouldn't happen. But again, you know, I really stress and want to stress uh, and again what the brother and I both have, have mentioned is that education prior to is the key, because I think that if we educate ourselves, we won't have to make these choices, these difficult choices, or at least we won't have to get sucked into making as many of these bad choices as uh, these choices as we had as as a people. Okay. All right. Um, thanks for that. Um, I don't know if we still have Catherine on. If you do want to see. Yeah, I'm. I'm still here. I'm still here. I, I wish that was true. Um, Planned Parenthood has been turned loose on our young people for a very long time, and 
I would submit that a part of what they have done contributes to the promiscuity that that we are seeing um, in our in our community. In in the movie uh, My Alpha, one of the things that they show is a website that Planned Parenthood paid for with taxpayer money that was called Take Care Down There. And I tell you, I I used to fight when I was younger, and I would I would hit you before you had the chance to hit me because I knew if I got the first lick in, the odds were that I'd get a second one in. If someone had been in the room with me while I was watching that clip, I promise you I would have hit them. It was so vile that they had this young brother in this in this position of providing oral sex to uh, a young white man. And and that's what Planned Parenthood thinks of us, and that's the kind of messaging that they teach our children in the schools when they're talking about sex education. They're not teaching them how to present, and that's a part of the mystique, a part of the the lie that they've created around the services that they provide because they want us to believe that they're doing what the brother said, which is providing us good, sound information on sex, sexual reproduction. But that's not what they're doing. When they're turned loose on our children in these schools, they're teaching them how to have sex. Um, and usually it's, it's the kind of sex that we don't want our children having. You know what I'm saying? And so um, I think it's up to us, and that's why I'm working so hard to get the information out in our community. I'm working so hard to help us understand the true repercussions of what's happening as we, quote, exercise the right to choose, whether it's abortion or having sex at a young age, and not being informed and not being told. Um, and you're right, back in the day, we did take care of our children. You know, and I grew up in the North, and when someone got pregnant, out of wedlock, um, you went to visit grandma or auntie for nine months. And auntie or grandma raised that baby. But you, it never crossed anyone's mind, that, in my experience, to abort their child. Um, mm -hmm. And that's some of the things that we have to talk about, that we have to educate about, that we have to get the information out. And, yes, we do need to educate our young people to value their fertility and value their bodies, but certainly not to have sex the way some of the things that I've seen come across Planned Parenthood's website, um, like Teen Wire. That's another one. If you go on there, it's just pornography, out-and-out -out pornography. Well, Car uh, Kathy, can I ask you a question if I could? Absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, and I, I think that most of us are in agreement with the fact that we need to educate our children and we need to educate, you know, uh, educate ourselves on the subject. But let me ask you a question, and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and at this part of what you're saying, I completely 100% agree with you, but I have a question that I would like you to answer, and, and just to put it out there, who should we hold accountable for teaching our children? Because, and, and what I have come across is that too many times the African-American culture is so codependent upon the social systems that have been tossed out and placed in front of us that we have forgotten how to 
basically think for ourselves when it comes to certain issues, Amen. I think, such as what we're talking about Amen. now. So with, so with that being said, I just want to ask you, you know, in your opinion, who do you think is, is, is best in the position and most effective when it comes to educating our children? And I'm asking that as a, the parents, the parents, it's the, parents, the, it's the aunts, it's uncles, it's the nieces, it's the nephews, but it is not the school system. The school system has us where we are today. We have a, a and, and, and my gosh, we should be screaming the alarm here because our young people um, um, have a 50% sexually transmitted disease rate in the African-American community. And yet we have, quote, sex education in the schools, but it's because they're teaching them how to have sex not teaching them to value their bodies, to value their fertility, and only we can teach our children that effectively. We as parents, we as family members, and we must, we absolutely must sound the alarm. When I was growing up, and yes, I don't mind telling y'all, I'm I'm old by most of y'all's standards. I am, but I'm having <laughs> a great time being old. Let me just say that. <laughs> Um, but when I was growing up, there were maybe six, maybe seven sexually transmitted diseases that we had to be worried about. The two primary ones were syphilis and gonorrhea. Today, there's over 21 STDs out there, many of which are incurable, that there is no known cure. They can't cure you of herpes. They can medicate you, but they can't cure you. HIV. Um, you got diseases out here today that will kill you. You have diseases, chlamydia, that will take your fertility, and half the time you don't even know you have it. Um, and we should be sounding the alarm in our community. It's up to us because it's not going to happen from the school system, and it's not going to happen from organizations like Planned Parenthood. You know, look at the 100-day plan they gave to President Barack Obama. They, in his first 100 days in office, they wrote a plan. And if you go and look at that plan, it promotes Planned Parenthood doing sex ed in our schools. It promotes abortion. It promotes all of the behaviors that the brother just said is going to lead our young men into the prison system because the leading demographic of those in our jails are young black men raised in a single-parent, female-headed household who dropped out of school. Right, right. And, and only we can change that picture. It's not going to happen from these outside forces because, if anything, they're going to keep encouraging us to keep doing what we're doing so they can build more prisons, so they can right. abort more of our babies, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. And that's a um, great point um, that I brought up. You know, we, we know um, who should be held accountable, and that is the moms and the dads. Period. I want to, um, we got about 24 minutes, so I do want to um, touch on something else that I found interesting in the study. And one of the few in-depth sociological studies I found related to abortion and the black community, it was noted that while in the, the 70s attendance at church was a contributing factor towards an African-American woman's um, opposition to abortion, what it, what it seems um, today is that this factor has disappeared altogether, it had altogether disappeared by the 90s. Um, it is my theory that as 
abortion rights became more and more key dogma of the Democratic Party, African American churches, which have been intimately linked to that party, guess what? They grew increasingly silent on abortion. Um, this perhaps accounts for the, the muddy the theology we heard so frequently expressed um, on the issue by Reverend Al Sharpton, or I guess it even can, you know, the, the, the movie that um, one of our listeners in the chat room and our, our guest on the panel, Catherine Davis, mentioned. Um, you know, I know that movie touched a little bit on that as far as Obama and some of the others that are um, pro, pro, um, pro abortion, or um, I say that right, pro, yeah. you know, pro life. Yeah, pro yeah. Um, it, it's crazy because I, I even read something uh, <laughs> where Sharpton, and I know I'm gonna get some, uh, some, something back from this comment when I put out there as far as Sharpton. But I read something recently where he went on to defend his voracious support of legalized abortion. He said that I trust the decisions of women because it is a a woman is a it is a human right that Roe versus Wade decided on. This is not about abortion. This is about human rights. This is about human dignity. This is about women having their say so over their own body and over how they will decide to proceed with their life. And if America is to be America, we must protect women's rights to choose for themselves. And I'll say this, um, you know, after hearing those statistics, you know, um, that, you know, it's, you know, we are, I mean, we're the minority. And there's so many, so many um, women, African-American women that are aborting babies and, and, and if you know this and you know these statistics, um, you know these politicians do, how could you be for for abortion? You know, I mean, I, I just I, I just can't understand that. Um, I want to hear what um, Snouse's name right. He's in the chat room, and he's going to kill me. But I'm just going <laughs> to say, Mr. Durrell, um, you want to you wanna chime in on that? What? Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, we got you, brother. Go ahead. Well, Go ahead. Well, I mean, what I'm going to say is basically a repeat what everybody else is saying. I just about the politicians. I know they're going to do what they're going to do just to get in office and everything, but I just this is a very sticky situation because like I was saying earlier, I'm Catholic and the Catholic Church is for pro-life. But at the same time, I was having a discussion with my aunt yesterday, which I'm third generation of Catholicism, and she was saying, you know, where was the Catholic Church when uh, Roe versus Wade back in when it was decided January the 22nd, 1973? Were they making a big hoopla over it? No, they no, they're not. Where was no, the Catholic sir. Church when black people were slaves in this country? If you know what I'm saying. So why now to make a big deal or, you know, um, not say make a big deal, but, you know, just make, you know, finally, you know, trying to be heard. You and, you know, you weren't heard when this stuff was going on. And, and, and I'm just for we as blacks, we being divided. And in that movie really educated me about eugenics. It's a special group of people, rich people 
that is basically on Planned Parenthood, and um, and it just you know I think like the sister was saying, Miss Catherine and the brother was saying, we have to educate our people. You know, it starts with the family because I feel the world is going to do what they're going to. They've been doing it since the first of time, but if we have a strong family unit, they can do whatever they want to do. But our children won't be participating in these things. You know what I'm saying? And I hate to say it, but I'd rather for an African-American, an African person being in office than the white man because we already know what the white man is going to do. You know, George, that's what George Bush did for the last eight years. He was for pro-life. Well, look what that got us. Yep. You know, and I, we we got to stop with this. I know the Catholic Church has to stop with this tunnel vision, you know, because I paid tremendously when we had a pro-life candidate in office. I mean, you still got people, we in the war, you know. I mean, but what does that have to do with, I mean, stuff. what does, I mean, you know, how could you, I mean, what does that have to do with, um, what does pro-life have to do with, um, you know, what else is going on in the in the wor- world as far as wars and, I mean, how does that relate? Well I, well, I was saying, you know, I'm just saying that George Bush was for pro-life, and so I'm sure a lot of people voted for him due to the fact that he, he, he was pro-life and just happened to be a Republican. But look where that got us. You know, look where voting for him got us. You know, the present president, and, you know, he, he, he inherited a lot of stuff, you know, trying to clean up. Well, he's and for, I think, yeah, he's pro-choice. He's pro-choice, and where is that well, going you know to get what? But guess what? Choice, well, you know, God is a God of choice. He gives us choice and will. He's not sitting up here saying, I want you to worship me on Sunday. I want you to worship me every day. He's giving us a choice. So why have a man that, that's lesser than God sit up here? I would rather come from choice. I don't want to come from you need to do this and you need to do that. I feel that if we start, once again, love ourselves, love our children, teach them how to love themselves, it does not matter who doing what, because yeah, yeah, the world has been doing this since the first of time. The world has been doing this since the first I think that we lose every time we divert the conversation away from the topic that we are talking about, which is the impact of abortion on the black community, and we start going off about all of these other political things, George Bush, he ain't president no more. No, he's not. And, and, and that's not helping us resolve this issue of the targeting of the black community by the abortion industry. And we lose every time we allow ourselves to get diverted off onto um, um, political ideology. It's going to be about 15 seconds long. I want to say this. Y'all know I'm a mediator, and I'm going to tell you why mediation works. Mediation works because people come into that room ignorant about certain things, and they leave with the facts, and they agree to make better decisions. And I'm going to leave it at that. I yeah. think that the brother had a good point. And, and that's, you educate that's me, good, and you, you but, make but, better decisions when you're well informed. I'm gonna leave it at that. 
I agree. I agree with that assessment, but I also feel like we in the African American community have become so acclimated and acculturated to the Democrat Party politics that we can't have a a mediated, reasoned conversation about it because we always end up coming back to the political ideology of the former president versus the current president, and we don't really address the issue of whether or not the policies of the Democrat Party are good for or hurt the black community. And and, and we need to face that. We need to face it, but in this discussion... The Republican Party hurt us, too. At least it hurt me. I don't know about you I agree. I I agree that neither party has our interests at heart. Neither party has our interests at heart. Neither right. party, whether you're Republican or Democrat, the, the black community has no political time, power please. today. We have no political power today because neither party looks out for the interests of the black community. And every social justice issue that can impact the people group is impacting the black community at an exponentially greater rate than any other ethnic group, but we won't face that because we get lost in the political discussion about Democrats versus Republicans. And, Catherine, you said a key word, acclimation. Look it up, folks, acclimation. We let ourselves become acclimated into these social systems, and I agree with you 100%. We get caught up with the Democratic and Republican issues. But you know what? It's not a Democratic and Republican issue. It's an African-American issue. It's an African-American issue. Amen. And we we need to start taking care of our own, and which means we need to wake up, pull our pull our head, pull, pull our we need to pull our heads out of the sand. We need to recognize yes. what's going on, and we need to take yes. care of it. I mean, that's just and that's yes. that's called plain simple English. Yes. And, and I just want to say this. Well, one second, everybody. We got about thirteen minutes, so this is just part one of the series. We'll definitely have more. But I want to um, to reiterate what I touched on at the top of the hour which is so very important. Um, The topic is the awakening of African Americans. And and what should be the kicker in all this is that um, 13 million African American lives have been lost um, to abortion. Um, And um, Catherine Davis from um, George Right to Life, she said those numbers are are low compared to her her statistics um, because the CDC is about two years behind. So just keep that in mind. That's what we're talking about tonight. And I think that if things don't change, um, what the the African American community is going to be looking at is is possible in extinction. And um, I mean, there's no better way to put that. I mean, I believe that. I want to ask this really quick. Um, um, abortion has so greatly diminished the population of um, the African American you know, the population and has diminished it. And, and what has happened is that they have been displaced, African Americans, we've been displaced by Hispanics, the largest minority group right now. Um, did you guys know that? Absolutely. Yeah. Abortion. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and so we still have people, I mean, just knowing that, and knowing that if we continue at this pace, we'll be looking at extinction. Do we still have um, listeners and guests on the panel that are um, pro-choice? 
African American um, listeners that are still poor choice after hearing those statistics and hearing that we've been we've been displaced by Hispanics. Yes, I believe at the I, end of the day, I am for pro life, but at the end of the day, it's the person's choice. But I do believe, like the brother and sister saying, we definitely need to educate our people, and black people need to take take our power back and focus on the solution, which is educating and loving ourselves. I truly believe in that. You know what I'm saying? And, but and, I just, and Carla, let me say, let me say this briefly about what you just mentioned. You know, here's the great picture in my mind: is that you know, legalized abortions are the safest way out. Because I'm going to tell you something. If we think that if we take away the choices of some of our women, which are to have abortions legally or illegally, I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen. We're going to go back to the days when Roe versus Wade hit the table. Yes. And the issue was that so many of our women were having backroom abortions. And you're going to have a bigger issue on your hands. So here's See, what I'm saying. I don't, I, I don't is, agree with that. That is the myth. Hold on now. That is a myth. Well, Catherine, let me finish, Catherine. Okay? Here's the deal. Now, whether whether we, we believe it or not, I'll agree to disagree with you on that issue. But what I will say is this. In my mind, I would rather see it done legally and correctly rather than to see some of our women get caught up in some of these backroom uh, abortion issues. Now, I say that to say this, and I'm going to leave it where it is. I'm going to say that to say this. I strongly agree, and I strongly say this, we need to educate our people so we won't have to make those types of choices. I'd rather see somebody walk into a doctor's office than to go to someone's home who is inexperienced and doesn't know what they're doing and take a chance on losing their life because they're afraid to disclose their pregnancy. And that's what you're going to see a lot of. Well, well, women are still dying in the abortion clinics today. So it is a myth that we have these safe abortions. Because yeah. women are the numbers, dying. The numbers are out there. The numbers are out there. The, well, numbers, the numbers are out, out there on there. that. So you're saying what? You're saying that to say what? I, I, what I'm saying is that prior to Roe versus Wade, Roe versus Wade didn't become an issue until we had so many women that were out there having abortions illegally. And, th- and this issue was that, and the issue at the hand was that so many folks were, be- were dying trying to have these illegal abortions. Now, well, I, I, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this, and that is a myth. There are no numbers to back up what you just said from pre-Roe v. Wade. There were states in the United States, like New York and California, that had abort- legalized abortion prior to 1973. They, could, they couldn't get to those places. We're talking about, Catherine, let's, wait, wait a minute. See, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to, to, to we're, we're not talking about California. We're talking about national numbers. Okay, I'm talking about national numbers. Okay. Go ahead, Carl. There, there, I, I would say where are the numbers to back up? I'm sorry, go ahead. All right, I mean, you know, I appreciate this dialogue and stuff, but I don't want, you know, it's just going back and forth. Um, 